Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Let's get into the Word. I pray. Let's get into the Word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Yesterday we started the conversation around the subject of faith. And um, it's important for us to understand that the just shall live by faith. And we built that around Habakkuk chapter 2. I want to read a scripture and we're going to pick up from there. If you were not here yesterday, please ensure that you get the messages. We wouldn't go over that again because we have a lot to cover. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse... Hebrews 11, just turn there. When you get there, I'll tell you where to go. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse... Six. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 Are you there? Come on, talk to me, are you here tonight? Alright And without faith It is What's that word? What does impossible mean? Not possible That's, that's amazing it's brilliant. Impossible means not possible. Can't, won't, shouldn't. So I hear people say, I'm not into that faith thing. What that means is you're not into that pleasing God thing. You know, people say, prophesy without a measure of faith. And many people reject faith because they put faith as a movement. And that's a problem. People reject faith because they feel we all work. Attic, we're prophetic, we do mortals, portals, pebbles, dimensions, download, upload, crazy Lord, no Lord. But I don't do faith stuff. Because they say faith is name it, blab it, and grab it. That's not what the Bible said. That's what critics say. The Bible never says faith is name it, blab it, and claim it. That's what you said. And without faith, what does without mean? Perfect. No faith. The absence of faith means a man cannot please God. Still here? Without faith, it is important. You know, sometimes we need to. Think over this statement. You know, Christians are in a hurry to go to nowhere. 
Like next verse, no, you wait. No next verse. She think of that again. And without Bible didn't say prayer. Because many people don't know how to pray. They don't talk faith. So they pray like God is not listening. They pray like they are praying to God. not thought in faith, then they say, pray to God, call him names, call him names, and you're like, Jehovah the one that scatters, say something, Jehovah the one that destroys, just call him something, no, don't call him something, call him what he said he should be called, and what he said he should be called in the New Testament is, when you pray, say, Father, when you call him God the scatterer, he looks it looks, it looks like there's a lot of motion. But, but, but he says, when you pray, say, our Father. But you know, that's not, that's not, so not deep enough. It's in the circles of the heavens, the monarch of the universe. And we're like, yeah, come on now, we're in it. No, 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 he didn't say that. He didn't say that. He is not the monarch of the universe to you. He is Father. The Spirit has come so that you can cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father actually means Daddy, Daddy. But without faith, you can't call him Abba, Father. Because it doesn't make sense. It's not thick enough. It's impossible to please him. That means you cannot. The root to pleasing God is faith. Listen, saints, anything done outside of faith does not please God. Sacrifice does not please God without faith. Giving does not please God without faith. Worship does not please God without faith. Praises does not please God without faith. If there is something that pleases God, it has to be done in faith, then we have to study faith. Praise God. And, and it's interesting. It says, for he who comes to God. I want you to watch these words. Watch out for these words. Watch out for these words. Watch out for without. It's big. Without what? Faith. Watch out for the word impossible. That's big. Impossible means not possible. Then what scripture? Just give me the scripture, brother. The next word says, "Is the brother pleasing? For him who comes to God, watch out for the word must. That's big. And it's amazing that what he tells you that you must believe is that God is." Some Christians believe like God isn't. The first thing to teach a believer is that God is. And that's big. Like God is. Do you believe that God is? 
You know, you don't believe that God is. You do when you feel like God is. And when you don't feel like God isn't, you think he isn't. That's why you need faith. Whether you feel like it or don't feel like it, God is, is. Do you follow that now? Some Christians believe like, I oh, God, where are you in this my storm? He is. He might not be in the storm with you. Because you put yourself in the storm. You know, shouldn't you know people cheer you? Whatever you go through, God is there with you. Even if you go through the valley of the shadow of death, God is there with you. Even though, just ensure that you're not the one walking through the valley of the shadow of death when God is pointing lights to you because he's giving you blessing and cursing. And if you choose curses, he's not going to walk the curse with you. Because God did not get into the belly of the fish with Jonah. Because Jonah paid his own transport. He was rich enough to disobey God. How many of you know sometimes you can prosper so much, you can disobey God. You start doing what God didn't ask you. Because you have money to fund your future. And that, it can be a problem with prosperity, right? You're so blessed now, you don't listen to And that's big. Because if you believe he is, then you obey him. Now, a lot of people believe that God is, but they don't believe that God rewards. And that's a problem. Because you can die poor, but very righteous. So you believe God is, you serve him with your whole heart, but you're too proud to receive his reward. It's pride. I'm just serving God. I don't want anything from him. Just take my life. No, no, no. Not me and you. Peter said, Master, I have left everything. Serve you. Can we have a conversation on this? What is in it for me? Just want to be sure. And the Lord says, hundredfold, that looks good. Your inability to believe in the reward system of God affects your commitment to God. Jesus never said, you're asking a stupid question. Mm -mm. He answered him. Told him the terms. And told him something extra. Persecution. Because we want the hundredfold, but we don't want persecution. And that's a problem. Persecution comes with the package. But he's a rewarder of those who do it. Now that's big. Because a man can believe God is, he can believe God rewards, but he never seeks God. That means in this equation of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 faith impossible to please God is for you God is God rewards is for God seeking him three parts of that equation is your responsibility so it's your responsibility to Walk on your faith, 
Please God with your faith and seek God. You can't do anything to God's existence. God knows when to reward. And you know people like, when we get to heaven, relax. Even in the wilderness, they were supplied. It says, for your days will be as the days of heaven and earth. So if you're on your way to heaven, at least let your car be facing the right direction. Are you following this now? So, let's go back to where we started. Just wanted to tell you that without faith you can't please God. The just shall live by faith. Romans chapter 1. You know, with that we have a cock yesterday. So we continue because it's, it's right there in the New Testament. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is power of God for salvation. Soteria, the Hebrew, Greek word. To everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, what's the it there? Uh, what's it it there? The gospel. Verse 16 gives you the answer. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. Verse 17, for in it, the it, the, now it's important you pay attention here, because it's going to show you the source of faith. The gospel. The gospel. Now there is a specific message that brings faith. Not generational curses. No, that, that's not it. The power of God is not revealed in it. Because that's not good news. So if you listen to generational curses long enough, faith will not be birthed. Because it's not it. So we have to, it's not good news. So we have to find it. Patterns in the bloodline is not it. Because that's not the gospel. Are you still here? For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. So, the gospel reveals the righteousness of God. So, the gospel, if accurately heard, would reveal the righteousness of God. So, if what you are hearing, it's not revealing the righteousness of God... Even though it's your favorite preacher that said it, it's not the gospel. So we need to be sure. As it is written, but the righteous. Why did he say but the righteous? Because the gospel will reveal the righteousness of God. And when the gospel is believed, that righteousness is embraced and received only then can that man live by faith. So the reason a lot of believers 
seems like they don't have faith is because they aren't hearing the gospel. They are hearing things that look like the gospel, but it ain't the gospel. They are hearing good messages, but it is not the gospel. You cannot hear the gospel and not walk in righteousness and not live by faith. It's impossible. I want something deeper. Shut up, the gospel. Nothing can go deeper than the gospel. How many of you realize that Jesus did not preach his own message? The Baptist came and says, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The scripture says, After John the Baptist was beheaded, what happened? And Jesus continued to preach and says, Repent. Jesus preached John the Baptist's message. The same things you have heard from me commit to faithful men who are able to teach others. Why can't you repeat your pastor's message? It's pride. It's, it's just pride. You know, I got this revelation originally from God. No, 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 no. The same things you have heard from me commit to faithful men because reputation is safety. want something fresh from the throne of heaven. The same things that said to you, it wasn't stale when I taught it. It was fresh. Microwave it through prayer and teach the same thing. It's not the bread that is stale. It's your life that is cold. So get your life on fire and teach the same thing. That's for an assistant pastor here who is thinking of misbehaving. That's a word of knowledge for you. Go teach the same thing. Alright, let's get back here. So, Romans chapter 1. Verse 17 says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, But the righteous man shall live by faith. So, faith is not a principle. It's a lifestyle. That righteous man lives. It's the way the right man lives. Just as you live by oxygen, you live by faith. Oh, you don't use oxygen here? Just thinking whether you guys do. Next scripture. Are you still here? Galatians chapter 3. Thank you, Lord. Galatians 3. Pay attention here. Remember what we said. Don't get familiar with the word. Get in the word. Get in the word. Feed your eyes on the word. Look at the word. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Galatians chapter 3 verse 11. Are you still here? do Do you know the Bible says the same thing all over if we look at it very well? Romans we read talked about the gospel. Now, can we go up a bit? How many of you know that before... 11 is 10. That's deep. After 10 is 11. Have you ever thought of that before? That's amazing. So let's look at 10. For as many 
as uh, of the works of the Lord are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the Lord to, to look at this, to do what? To perform them. Righteousness is not performance. So he says, if you don't perform all these things, you're going to be under the curse. Because the gospel does not reveal performance. Now watch it. So he says, Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident. So it means if we're going to walk on just our performance, we cannot be justified before God. Now what justifies a man before God is accepting Jesus Christ. Am I right? We are justified by faith. Does this agree with Romans chapter 1 we just read? That if you hear the gospel, you walk in righteousness. So he says, for the righteous man shall live by his faith. Are you living by faith? Or you're living by performance? And that's big. Because sometimes in our finances, we also want to live by performance. And not by faith. Because the Bible says, I'm the Lord our God. Who gives you power to get wealth. You must believe that scripture. Oh, you know what I read, what I studied in school was not good. No. He gives you power. To get wealth. Irrespective of what you study. If you just go by what you studied, you'll be under the curse. Because that will be by performance. But if you walk in the blessing, whatever you studied will prosper. We'll talk about that if you come on Sunday morning. All right, let's go on. Hebrews chapter 10. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Now, I, I thought a message in Lagos, if you get the, I don't know if it's in that MP3, but I thought a message called Holistic Faith um, in one of my meetings in Lagos. Hebrews chapter 10. And, and uh, what I was teaching there was the fact that when we read Hebrews chapter 11, we are looking at our family album. Uh, I don't know how many of you still have family albums, but you remember in those days when people came to your house? I mean, nowadays when we say those days, we look like we're very old people. It's, it's hard to use that language because the world is changing this fast, right? Like, so, but in those days, someone came to your house, you gave them family albums, right? And then someone looked at you when you were small, like... Oh, you give them a Facebook account. Like, who is... Who is this? It's Pastor Lee. Whoa! And who is this? And you say, this is Pastor Lee. Say, no, that's my mother. I say, wow. You look alike. What were you expecting? <laughs> now, the picture of... I'll tell you a secret, right? Secret. If you want to marry somebody, go look at their parents. That's the picture of your wife. Some years down the line. When nothing is standing again. 
That's the future. Alright, so Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, when we look at Hebrews chapter 11, it's a picture of our family album. What did you hear? Why is everybody laughing? Alright, so Hebrews chapter 11 is a picture of our family album. When we see Abraham, we're not impressed. It tells us our possibilities. When we see that the dead were raised back to life, it tells us what is When we see that through the fates, they, do you understand? They subdued kingdoms. It tells you what is possible. Hebrews chapter 11 is a picture of our family album. The Bible was never given to us to be impressed by what people did. Joshua stopped the sun. Oh, Joshua. Oh, Joshua. Just the things that are flying. Start from there. Start using your faith. Gradually stop the rain. You want to go out. Father, in Jesus' name, let this rain stop. Start using your faith. You know, someone say, what about if I stop the rain and some farmers want the rain? My friend, stop the rain. Don't be logical in application of faith. What do you want? You stop the rain. You stop the headache. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Is there a business that is dead? You receive it back to life. Is there a church that is dead? You receive it back to life. Is there something that is dead? You receive it back to life. Why? Because that's what that's what we do in our family. We call those things that be not as strong they were, and we give life to what is there. That's how the family works. That's how we live. We like dead things because we can cause them to come to life. Are you still here? All right. So that's a picture of family. So go and look at what your brothers did with their life. And ask yourself, what are you doing? She's complaining. Like, oh, I wish Abraham was here. And Abraham said, do you, know, do you know that Abraham, I'll talk to you about wealth on Sunday. Do you know Abraham had 318 servants in his house? Go do the maths. Somebody do the maths. Yeah, you are my finance. Billionaires recognize billionaires when they... So do the maths for me, right? We'll have the maths on Sunday. What it would take to feed 318 people in Kenya and Shilling. So do that, okay? And do this. Let's do this. Take what it would take to feed them one day. Do one month. Multiply it by 12. Let's see how much Abraham was spending per year to feed 318 people and he didn't have a child. And these are the trainmen. So we just use the numbers that are in the Bible. Let's not try to go be Right? And the guy was all like, all of you are eating. I don't even have a child. My friend, stand up. Because faith works by love. Because sometimes, use your faith for someone to do something for someone while you're still believing for that thing. Faith works by love. We'll talk about that Saturday afternoon. Alright, so let's go. Let's finish this. Romans chapter 10, um, Hebrews chapter 10. Are you there? Okay. Um, verse 36. For you have need of endurance. You know, we like to read Hebrews chapter 11, but we don't like to read chapter 10. 
And I'd like to tell you that chapter 11 is a continuation of chapter 10. Because it says, now. Now what happened before now? Chapter 10 happened before chapter 11. Really? For you have need of endurance. Not a suggestion. Something you need. So that when you have done the will of God, you may May is conditional. Because if there is no endurance, you may not receive. So you can do the will of God and lack endurance and not get the reward. Because it's faith and patience that inherits the promise, not faith alone. You know, we are big on faith and low on patience. And faith can work. Some of the most impatient people I've worked with in this life are Christians. They, they act like you're going to die tomorrow. Like, oh God, oh God, get this. They're like, why are you in a hurry? I'm getting old. You can't trade in God with age. Like, God has no idea you're getting old. How old are you? I'm 30. God is like, are you joking? In my mind, you're still in the womb. You know, Abraham, Sarah died. <laughs> Interesting story. I thought a message called the image of longevity. And we need to renew our mind where death is concerned. Right? Because we read a lot about death. We see people dying all the time. It's easy for death to catch on us. But in the Old Testament, it wasn't easy. They had to be taught how to die. They, they, death was not in the formation of Adam. So it took time, even though his spirit was dead, it took time for death to walk into his mother body. It took about 900 years. Death could not, he was, that immortal spirit of God you like deep things, right? Let me, let me take you deeper. That immortal spirit of God was working in him because the very life and image of God was in him. So death could not fasten its hold on Adam for a long time. So people need, um, had to learn how to die. They, they didn't know, know death in the physical body. Right? So Methuselah just lived, lived and lived and lived and lived and lived and lived. And they, just, they just lived. They didn't know how to die. Enoch just walked with God, walked with God, walked with God to a point. God said, hey, can we take a stroll? Say, where are we going? Heaven. Are you ready? He said, yes, let's go. And boom. He, he, didn't, he didn't understand death. If you go to Hebrews, the scripture says Jesus came to release the fear of death as subject to bondage. How does the fear of death work? You want to get married quickly so that you can have your children quickly so that before you get old and die, your children are grown. The fear of death. That's your marriage. You want to do this quickly so that when this happens, you die. You don't want to take this road because death. So we are motivated by death, not life. Right? So the reason you're conscious of your age is you've calculated when you will die. I'm 36 now, latest 80, I should be dead. I have like 60 years more. God, please be in a hurry. So there's that motivation of death. All right. So I was talking about Abraham. So Sarah died. And Abraham was like, my wife is dead. So what's next? Yeah, I'm looking for a girl. <laughs> right? And Abraham just showed up like Keturah. And Abraham just like, she said yes. I mean, over a hundred years. Imagine somebody over a hundred years walks up to you, Pastor Mary. 
everybody is going to lie. What is wrong with you? Do you understand that? And then it's like, what do you want? Yeah, can we get married? What happened to your first wife? Oh, she died. How old was she when she died? 100. Uh, do you know they didn't ask, is everything still working? It didn't cross their mind that something would have stopped working. It's just like, okay, I'm ready. Like, how many children would you want to have? Like, oh, we can do like 16? Oh, that's good. I'm good. <laughs> that's how they taught. They didn't say, well, go to the hospital. We just want to be sure you were okay. They didn't think deformation. They were not thinking that. Right? But you know what we think today? I hope the person I marry is not important. Can we test before we marry? Because I know somebody who married and they don't have a child now. We are Christians, but we are not foolish. Christianity is not stupidity. Do you you understand that? (laughs) Hebrews 10.36 For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God what causes the reward is endurance. And that's what faith does. Faith says my reward is coming. I'll endure. Do, Do you understand that? So somebody says Hey, pastor, I'm doing everything God says. I'm not seeing anything. That's the problem. You are not seeing it by the eyes of faith. So you cannot please God to endure. Are you still here? So some of you for this faith conference, what you just need is endurance boost. Like tell the devil, you know what? Both of us will be here. But I know that you will die before me. I'm just teasing, but you just say, you know what? I'm not perturbed. I'm here. The devil can't withstand you waiting. That's why he starts putting signs to get you agitated. Right? So he says, and this is big. You may receive what was promised. Now, let me go through this again. It wasn't about receiving what you were believing for. It was receiving what was promised. Remember what I said about faith yesterday? It starts from God. And that's one of the big issues with the faith thing. It's not you just carry your faith and whatever you want. No, 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 no. Do you have it as a promise? What was promised? How many of you remember Habakkuk? I will stand on my watch and watch what he will say to me. Come on, how many of you know endurance is needed to wait on what God will say? You know we're planning 2023 now. How many of you have started praying about what would God have us do in 2023? But you already have the year mapped out. 2023, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going, hey, relax. Did he tell you that? Did he tell you that? Because we don't want to wait. We are not taught to wait in this generation. Even when we are praying, we are using our prayer times to trust in God. And prayer hours has now become competition in church. 40 hours prayers. The next pastor say, I'm doing 42 and a half. Then I say, we are doing 42 three quarter hours. You know, 
One time I went to preach in an all night. And they told me Kesha. Yeah? They call it Kesha. I went for a Kesha. And he told me, we're going to do... I said, listen, I'm going to sleep. I'll teach for the first one and a half hour. I'll go and sleep. You guys will wake me when you're done. I'll teach the second session. So if I come for the second session with my eyes feeling like I woke up from sleep, it's true. I truly woke up from sleep. Like I'm going to sleep. <laughs> you know why? I don't have the faith to stay up all night. It's not been promised to me. I'm just saying that you don't have to do what others are doing to get the results you need to get in your ministry. You have to do what God has promised you. And it's, it will be an issue because pastors like to copy each other because they don't want their members running to the next church. That's why whatever starts like it's growing somewhere since an assembly, we all copy it and leave our original mandate and calling and follow. And that's not faith. Because faith means doing what God has asked you to do and keep doing it even if it looks like it's not working. That's faithfulness. Are you still here? So he says, For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. So do you realize that every time we read about this, it's a lifestyle. Alright? And if he shrinks back, the word shrinks back in the King James is if he draws back, what's going to happen? My soul has no pleasure in him. The word drawback in the Hebrew is homostello. It means to hesitate. If he hesitates, if he will this work, will this not work? Your soul is already drawing back because doubt has been established in your soul realm. And we'll talk about that if we get there. That's what happened to Peter. He saw the waves and he began to sink. What happened? His soul drew back from advancing on the word that God promised him when he says come. Everything the enemy is doing around your life right now is to cause you to draw back. That's why you're saying what you're saying. You can wear out the devil if you're more patient. Let me tell you, let me just tell you this, right? Let me tell you how God works. Let me tell you how God works or how life works. If you were poor for 40 years, example, not you, it's an example. If you were poor for 40 years and you got rich when you were 41, you will do everything in that one year that you couldn't do in 40 years. You need to start thinking of life like that. Do you understand? Is it a car? You can buy a car, build a house, travel to all the countries in the world all in one year. But from zero to 40, it might look like, brother, you might never buy a bicycle. So that's how God thinks. God's, God works by, you know what, 41 years, everything I've told you will come to pass. You know, God is not in a hurry. Do you know how God introduced the children of Israel to Abraham? He says, your children will be in bondage for 430 years, for 400 years. He says, after 400 years, I'll go and deliver them. Do you imagine that? 
Like God is talking with Abraham, he's talking about 400 years. And God is talking to Abraham, and like 430 years, I'll deliver them. And he's talking to Moses, and he says, when you bring the children of Israel to this mountain, in the burning bush, he says, when you bring them to this mountain, do you know what that means? Bringing them to this mountain will include 40 years of the wilderness, 10 plagues, crossing the Red Sea. God didn't tell him all those stuff. Because that's not God's business. God's business is the result you will get. If Pharaoh hardens his heart, frogs will come out, firstborn will die. If there's a Red Sea, you will cross it. If there are Amalekites in the wilderness, you will kill them. But just show up here. God doesn't do details because he knows the end. God knows you're going to have a child. But every month your period comes and they're like, oh God, why is it again? And God's saying, you don't have a child. It's just blood. So we need to start thinking the way God thinks. So if we think the way God thinks, when those symptoms come, we can take the word of God and says, if he says it, I believe it, and that settles it. That makes the devil runs mad. Because there are many Christians who are not like that. <laughs> but my righteous one should live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Now, understand this. Understand this. Pay attention to that word pleasure. What does the word pleasure, what other word can we use to replace pleasure? We can use please. Without faith. It's impossible to please God. Now, listen to this. God is not rejecting this person. God is not saying you are a bad child. He just says, you know what? You're not making me happy because you're drawing back. So you're almost making me not to be able to do. Do you know the pain of a father when a daughter or a son does not believe his word? Do you understand? So it's not like you are not saved. It's just that God's soul, what soul? The emotional aspect of God, what will please God, which is your faith, he can't see it. So there's no pleasure what you're doing. You're just living by your willpower. You're not living by faith and God is just there like, can you live by faith? Can, can you just trust? Make me happy by trusting me. Just, just make me glad by trusting me. Right? Like, Make me happy. Have some faith so I can do some stuff. Leave my word so I can walk on your behalf. Make me happy. That's why when, when um, Moses was crying, God says, stand up. Why are you crying? Crying doesn't give me pleasure. You have in your hands. And Moses says, hey, Lord. God says, stretch it. Let's do something here. <laughs> and Moses stretched. And what happened? You haven't read what happened? The sea parted. And what happened after? I, I don't like the place where the sea parted. I like the place when the Egyptians army entered. That's my favorite part of the story. What happened to the sea? Tell me, when the army were inside, what happened to the sea? I like the way God closes things up. And you know what the Lord told him? He said, the Egyptians you see today you shall see them no more 
He didn't tell him how he was not going to see them anymore. And you know, what will your natural mind be? As I see today, I'll see them no more. What's God going to do? Is he going to use fire? Is he going to use acid? Is he going to bury them? That's the problem. You're thinking of how God will get it done. Your brain is too small. Stop thinking. Believe. Faith is not thinking. Don't do God's work for him. How's my husband going to come? Is he going to appear from the sea? Am I going to meet him in this conference? Uh, will he be my old coat? He's here. You're thinking too much. God says you go to the nations. You start getting in people's inbox. Uh, stop it. You're thinking too much. The how is never your responsibility. So God says, but you realize something. If Moses did not stop crying, they would have been killed. Because then there's nothing Moses is doing to give God pleasure. God cannot act outside of your faith. That's big. Right? Are you still here? I like verse 39. How many of you remember Habakkuk chapter 2 talking to the proud man and to the one who is waiting? Because sometimes your soul can shrink back out of pride. Like you're taking too much time. I've got this figured out. Like God speaks to Sarah and Abraham, you're going to have a child. And Sarah like looks like, yeah, it's 12 o'clock, not pregnant. It's 2 o'clock, not pregnant. Abraham, are you sure you're working? God, okay, God, I understand, I understand. We are old. It's really taking time for this thing to come from heaven. But God, guess what? We have a brilliant idea. God, you never thought of this in your whole life. <laughs> you never thought of this, God. Just relax. We've got this figured out. You will take the glory. We will do the walking. We'll give you the glory. It's glory you want, right? We'll give you the glory now. It's like, Abraham, say God trust me and I like God God comes to Abraham and says I'll bless you that arrangement is not my arrangement how many things do you have in your life that you fixed for yourself how many how many relationships people you know sometimes you go in depth doing a good thing because you couldn't wait on God. Because you felt like we've announced this program. It will look like God did not provide. So let's help God. And God is saying, wow. So you're owing 10000 now. Beautiful. For a program you did for me. Wow. You did that program when heaven was broke. And you're like, God, but... But God, it is in your name. God doesn't deserve the glory if he was not part of the process. He does not have a low self-esteem issue. He wants to be part of the process. He wants to, he is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one who starts it and who finishes it. Don't act rich when you're broke. Use your faith until wealth comes. Don't fake it till you make it. Make it and leave it. Are you still here? 
But we are not of those I like this. Come on, how many of you are part of this? We are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of our soul. We are the guys who persevere. We are the guys who have faith. We're not like those who shrink back. Now pay attention to this. Pay attention to this. Two words you should not miss there. The soul of God has no pleasure. We have faith to the preserving of our soul. The issue here is not your salvation. The issue here is your emotions and your will. Because that's what draws you from faith. So your soul needs to be preserved. Your emotions need to be in place. Why God is working the process. Are you following what I'm saying? So when it's without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's not just talking about the issue of your salvation because the issue of your salvation is settled. He's talking about your work of faith. The joy you bring to God when you have faith, when you act in faith, when you lay hands on the sick and the sick are recovering. Are you following this now? So your soul is big in the faith work. I throw one scripture in there. We'll look into it on Sunday. It says, I wish above all things that you prosper as much as what? You know we haven't taught so much about the soul. So we have Christians who have saved and their will is scattered. Happy today, sad tomorrow. Complaining today, that's given to you. It's just up and down. Never had joy for three days straight. Their joy has never gone through resurrection. First and second day, on the third day, dies again. Like, yeah, we can rise up. <laughs> Their faith never made it from the cross. Always crucified. Their joy always crucified. Their peace always crucified. You can't walk in faith like that. Faith people are happy people. Faith people are rejoicing people. Faith people are emotionally stable people. If you walk around a faith giant, he might be going through the biggest hell on his life and he still has some smiles on his face. In fact, most people think faith people are very rich because they don't look gloomy. Because they want you, your money to reflect your bank account. Like, we're broke. Lift up holy hands to the Lord. Lord, this is how much it can go. We don't have money to raise it higher. <laughs> you quarrel with your wife, quarrel with everybody, come to church, they are receiving the offering, why are they always collecting offering? When they should be helping the poor. Who? You are the poor? I never knew. Welcome to Fortress Assembly, the poor. That's not who you are. You're never the poor. You, you, no, you're not the poor. And before we put money in your hand, change that picture. If we don't change that picture, every money put in your hands will leave your hands. Broke people never get rich by welfare. That's why what God gives you is the power, the ability, the resource to get wealth. He'll never put money in your hands. It's ability God gives to you. You know, most of the people we help in the church welfare are those who never show up in church. 
Because those who constantly show up in church and take notes, even if they started out in welfare, become strong. Check all your most committed members, even those who are broke, still find a way to come to church. Check the guy who is always taking money from the welfare, never listens to a message, never brings a note to church, never attends special conferences. It's a problem. That's why they are broke. You can't help them. Even Jesus said, the poor you always have with you. They are the fulfillment of that scripture. (laughs) You don't want to fulfill that scripture. Oh, you don't want to fulfill the scripture. Like, they look and say, the poor you always have with you. I say, yes, this one, this one, this one, this one. (laughs) You don't want to. All right. (laughs) Okay. So let's look at this now. Let's get up, get up, get up 35 minutes more. Are you still here? Are you learning something tonight? The word drawback means to recoil, to shrink back, to keep back, to conceal, to withdraw. Three things you must understand. We are saved by faith, Ephesians 2.8. We are justified by faith, Romans 5.1. We cannot please God without faith. Number one, we are saved by faith. Ephesians 2.8 So, the origination of your salvation is faith. Do you realize that in Africa, we need to teach people faith more? Because what we're doing is, I'm sorry if this turns the other way, forgive me in advance, work in love. We're beginning to do prophetic acts that are not faith-based. We're starting to turn people's attention again from the word to bottles of oil, to handkerchiefs, to brooms, to cane. You know, we like it rough in this part of the world. What's happening, we call it a prophetic act, but then the problem is taking people away from the faith. You have to be careful that you're not teaching people to put faith in things, not even on the altar of your church. That's big. You need to deal with that. Because people feel if I come here and I kneel down and I lay down, I've been to that altar. You, you want to be careful. You want to be careful because when they're in problems, then they're looking for an altar to go and lay down. And that is big with God. That's idolatry. You want to be careful about that. You want to be careful about that. You want to be careful about that. course, if you start raising people that way, you're pointing them again back to looking at the ark. But the ark was destroyed so God can live in men. So the greatest mystery of all time, of all ages, the black buster mystery that nobody had ever understood until Paul showed up was very simple. Is as simple as this mystery. Christ in you. The hope of glory. If your message does not emphasize Christ in you. There's no mystery. Christ in man. That's all Jesus came for. But you know. It does not make us feel very special. Because we want to feel special. Like the man of God just walked in.
Christ is in them. Christ is not only in you. I know when God called you, seven angels appeared and shook your bed and like, John, 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 I'm sending you to the ends of the earth. You know, God was India when he was speaking to you. And I'm going to use you to change the world. But Christ lives in them. Yeah, God gave me a special anointing. But Christ lives in them. Pastors, we didn't die for these people. Jesus died for them. I know you use your children's school fees to pay rent for the church. Which, I don't know why you're doing it, but... Jesus died for the church. Don't die for the church. Your blood is Kenyan blood. It won't do anything. I'm sorry. It's good blood, but not too good. My blood is Nigerian. It won't do anything for the church. We must again stand on the altar and exhort the blood of Jesus. Exhort the name of Jesus. Exhort the sacrifice of Jesus. People walk away from every of our meeting and their eyes is not on the preacher who preached, but on Jesus who died for them. That's the gospel. They don't leave the meeting and are impressed. They leave the meeting and they are transformed. If they are always impressed, you're going to have some ignorant people sitting in your church for a very long time. And ignorant people can cause trouble. Do you realize Jesus taught 12 disciples, had many people, told a lot of them to wait in the upper room, only 120 showed up. The rest didn't take him serious. Jesus took an announcement on a Sunday morning. I said, hey guys, tiring Jerusalem, I'm coming with power. I said, don't mind him. Like, are you going to Jerusalem to wait? Wait for what? Holy Spirit is coming. Oh. I mean, can I say, listen, Peter left the ministry like, hey, uh, Jesus is dead. I want to thank all of you for the opportunity to serve in this 12 disciples organization. We thank our now late Jesus of blessed memory who was with us. But you people remember that when he was talking about the cross, I warned him. You remember, you remember that I told him issues of death, issues of cross, they are negative confession. I warned him, but he said, I'm Satan. No problem, no problem. (laughs) Since I'm Satan, now we have seen him. So, uh, thank God that I have my fishing tools. I'd like to thank everyone. Thomas was great working with you. Batlomi was nice. Uh, it's been great three and a half years, but we are back. Peter went back fishing. Imagine walking with Jesus for three and a half years, and you go back fishing. They never believed one word that Jesus taught. Your church members don't believe like you think they do. <laughs> I mean, you do. You do a powerful series on faith and joy and hope. 
And on Sunday night, somebody calls you, Pastor, I'm not feeling well. What happened? I lost my keys. If God loves me, where will my... Oh, yeah, yeah. We just thought on faith. We just thought on hope. I know, but I'm depressed. <laughs> so Peter never believed. Why? There was, there was no faith. There was no endurance. Jesus had to go back and rescue his disciples again. Like, hey, Peter, come. Why did you leave the ministry? Ah, uh, well, we didn't really know you rise. And then Thomas just showed up. Thomas is brilliant. Thomas is absolutely brilliant. Like Thomas went to buy bread and showed up. And like, guess what? Jesus showed up. <laughs> Guys, I have been deceived once in my life. <laughs> I am not falling for this thing again. Look at me. I'm not a young man. I spent three and a half years believing. Listen, guys. I will put my hands on his hands. And I'm like, wow. And I'm wondering wherever Jesus is like, I need to appear in that room, man. <laughs> I'm losing Thomas again. And Thomas, Jesus appeared. He saw Jesus said, oh, God. Jesus said, Jesus didn't say that, but I would have said Then Jesus, for 40 days, taught them again. Everything he had taught them for three and a half years. Jesus was like, I have 40 days to go to heaven. Guys, sit in class. This is the Bible. <laughs> Crash course. Like, yeah, you've told us the Bible of the Sower before. Can take notes. The seed is the word of God. 40 days, he taught them again on the kingdom. Because you know what? After three and a half years, they didn't get it. They didn't believe. They didn't trust. You're drifting. Pastors, teach it again. Repetition is the safety of Christianity. Teach it again. You've taught this topic before. Change the topic, teach it again. They will not know. Right? Last year you thought it's at faith steps. This year, glorious steps of faith. Like, wow, that's a brand new revelation. Put the third point, first point, they don't go back through their notes. They never know. Yeah, they know. like, this message so blessed me. I am so grateful to how God is using your life. I've never seen you flow in such an anointing. Like, yeah. <laughs> Praise God. It says, but we're not of those who shrink back. Go back to Hebrews chapter 10 verse 39. To destruction, but those who have faith to the preservation of the soul. So our faith is for the preservation of our soul. So our faith is to stabilize our soul. Our faith is not to twist God's arm. It's to receive what God had promised. Are we good? Do you understand this? How many of you have ever waited for someone that promised to come? Can I tell you something? Realize if you just sit here and you're not waiting for anybody, you're not waiting. Come on, pay, pay attention to this, right? 
got like 25 minutes. Pay attention to this, right? But immediately they tell you, wait for Apostle Dennis. Your soul kicks in. Immediately you say, you hear, wait. Your soul starts reacting. When you were not waiting for anybody, you were relaxed. The issue of our soul is where there's an expectation. Do you, do, you, do you understand that? Or let me use this. Have you ever told your kids, like, wait for me, I'll soon be back? Man, that's trouble. Do you understand? Their soul kicks in. Agitation starts. So your faith is to calm your soul. Why God is at work. And most people don't know how to calm their soul. And so, you know, for those people, the devil plays with them all the time. You just throw something very little. The devil will make you hear what somebody said about you. And that will take you three weeks to get over. I'm not very happy. After all I've done in this church, they said I'm not good. But I thank God because God knows our hearts. <laughs> and three weeks, you're on that. And finally, you hear a message of love. And just like, Father, thank you. I've forgiven them. Thank you. Thank you. Then the next time you come to church, an apostle is preaching exactly what you did two months ago. And you went for counseling. And in your mind, you thought apostle had run out of messages. So he was now, you are so big, he actually studied you to preach. And then you deal with that for another four weeks. Where are you not in church? You will tell pastor something. Pastor will come to the pulpit. He will use you to preach. But I thank God. I thank God. For two months, two words have kept your soul busy. What you were trusting God for, you're not praying about it. So what the devil does is to just set 12 words for the year. Sure that by January you hear something. February, you see something. March, and so for the rest of the year, you're, you're done. Your soul, and then December, you're like, this year, I'm going to be serious with God. They're just here. Your grand auntie in the village dies. Oh God, this year I want to serve you. You Listen, in the face of death, you are unmoved. Paul says, we do not grieve like those who do not have hope. That means when grief comes, we use our faith to process it. If you believe the people, and this is for someone here who is battling with grief, if you believe the people you are mourning for are actually with the Lord, then you need to use your faith for that. You need to stop acting like it's a loss. Hey, come on, you see how faith works now? Faith is not just to get money. It's when things happen, you leave. And people are like, is this thing bothering you? No, it isn't. Because I'm enduring to the preservation of my soul. Are you still here? All right. So let's do something very quickly. Faith is not a principle. Faith is not a tool. Faith is a lifestyle. Right? So we're going to pick up from here scripturally, scripturally tomorrow. But I want to give you some points in, in, in the 20 minutes that we have about myths about faith. I, I don't know if my pronunciation goes. Do you know what a myth is? Like, Logic. Okay, it's fantastic. So myths are stories that are peddled 
For a long time, people actually believe it's true. I don't know what myths you have in um, Kenya here, but in Nigeria, there was this story that lead yeah, one time. Oh, you heard that story. <laughs> we, <laughs> we played Indian, and then anytime they kick the ball, it will turn to lion, and they scored us a hundred. We believe that story. You know, you can hear a lie so much, it sounds like truth. And you need to be careful what you're believing if it's the truth. You, you need to be careful. Because most of the things you believe are not the truth. Because you hate them long enough and you believe them. Are you following this? So what are some myths about faith? So like I said, scripturally we'll pick up from here tomorrow. But I want to deal with myths about faith. Tomorrow we'll deal with the source of faith. Are you following? Number one... People say faith comes from trials and experiences. And that's not true. That's not true. The Bible does not say faith comes from trials and experiences. They take 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 7. Am I, am I correct about that? Yes. So they read 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7. Right? To say that faith comes from trials. So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus. But they forget that before verse 7 is verse 6. And before verse 6 is verse 5. And before verse 5 is verse 4. And before verse 4 is verse 3. And before verse 3 is verse 2. And before verse 2. That's deep. So what does verse 1 say? Go to verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus, to those who reside as aliens, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who are chosen. Now, he goes on to talk about their salvation. The faith he was referring to here is not the faith to live by it was their salvation because they were under persecution so he says the trial of your faith that Nero Roman emperor who was persecuting Christians if you stay this your faith is unfeigned it's genuine this has nothing to do with justification by faith it was faith for salvation that was under persecution the letter was addressed to those who were under persecution. Faith does not come from trials. Some of you have so much trials, you should be a faith giant now. But you aren't. Some of you have been from, even in your mother's womb, you had trials. There was no food for you. I mean, that's trials. You know, scripture says, I know you from your mother's womb, but I ordained you to be a prophet. I mean, from your mother's womb, you were ordained for hunger. No food. Pregnant, no food. That's trial. You should come out with faith. But you came out crying. No school fees. You couldn't go to school. Come on, what more trial is that? But you don't have faith. Rather, trial that is not hand. Praise God. Do you understand that now? So that's a myth. Don't believe that. Trial does not bring faith. 
Number two, testimonies build faith. Not true. Testimonies, pay attention to my use of words, can inspire faith, does not build faith. In fact, if you hear some testimonies, the little faith you have will turn to discouragement. <laughs> so so you, are, you are trusting God for 10,000 Kenyan shillings, right? And Apostle Dan shows up and says, well, I just thank the Lord. Uh, I just came back from South Africa and somebody gave me 1 million Kenyan shillings. Are you like, <laughs> you're like, God, God, bring your ear. I want to talk to you. What I'm asking you for is 10,000. Like, how do you, what's happening in the kingdom? Do you understand that? That that didn't inspire you. That's why as a minister of the gospel, you need to be careful some testimonies you share. Your intention might be to inspire, but the outcome might be discouragement. Be careful. You can't sit around growing pastors and you're just talking about how much money you have, how many countries you've come to. See, those guys are just looking for transport to go back home after Sunday service. Can you hold your testimony and just have conversations? If you listen to testimonies long enough, your faith will not be built. That's not what the word says, builds faith. Realize that there are people who, um, Jesus says, don't share your testimony. where we are sharing testimonies so that people will know that God works in this church. That's not the way people know God works. People know God works by teaching them how God works. So we have a generation that is running after testimonies, right? So what now happens is pastors are big on testimonies and I'm sorry to say some even lie about it. So, say, somebody with headache got healed. Say, somebody with intensive headache. There was no doctor in the church. It's not proven. Somebody got healed in our faith conference uh, in September and told me the testimony on Friday. Got healed Friday, first day of the conference. I said, don't worry. Still go back. Check yourself. Saturday. She said, I said, don't worry. There's no rush. If God healed you, there's no pressure to share it. Except you're not healed. Like, <laughs> test it. And that's why sometimes we have people share testimonies who are not taught in faith. They step down and they lose their testimonies because, and they are too embarrassed to come that what they said is not like that. Because we're trying to build faith. You're wrong. I'm not saying taking testimonies is wrong. Do you understand? But if you want to build your people's faith, it's not by gathering testimonies. It's by teaching the word. See, you've got to follow the scripture. Why do you think people make up testimonies? Because it attracts people. Okay. The way you're looking at me, I know that this is not, this is not going really good. But it's your problem, not mine. 
Paul was teaching, and a young man, Lutikos, fell down and died. Paul went downstairs, raised him up, and continued teaching. They didn't permit him to show what he saw when he died. They didn't say, Eutychus, when you went to heaven, what did you see? Like, well, I saw gates and gates. Do you know the church's understanding of heaven came from people who said they had dreams? And that is why our eschatology is faulty. It's not, it's not the word. You don't, you don't see it in the word. People come and tell your kinds of stories and then you start preaching it. They say, I went to heaven, I saw Jesus, I saw this. Then Jesus now said, go back, go back, go back. Then I came back. And then you start preaching that. That's why, listen to me, that's why nobody who went to heaven and came back is still running an active ministry. Because it's not the gospel. Oh, they, are not, they do it for one year, sell books, sell cassettes. Ten years down the line, they are not still in ministry. Because whatever you saw is not the gospel. What you saw was what you thought heaven was before you died. Yeah, I just dropped that so you can go and read the Bible again. Don't be fascinated with stories. Jesus said, you know, Lazarus and the rich man? Come and talk to me. Lazarus and the rich man? What did he say? Send someone from here to go and preach. What did Jesus say? What did, what, did, what, what did the Lord say in that context? He says, if they do not believe the what the prophet is teaching them. They, so that's God's method of preaching is not giving people dreams to come back to the world. It's never God's method. Because he, I mean, is there... Read it. Do you think God could have used an angel to just preach to Cornelius? He could have. But what did God tell the angel? What did God tell Cornelius? Send for Peter. I mean, the time you are using to say send for Peter, just tell me. I mean, it's the same angel. You could just preach the gospel. No. He says, and he will tell you words, 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 not experiences. He will tell you words by which you will be saved. It is words that saves. And what words are that? What words are that? The gospel. Are you still here? All right. Third myth. Walking or associating with faith people can build your faith. That's wrong. Walking with faith people can inspire your faith, but it will never build your faith. That's why you can walk with a preacher for years who is a faith man and you're not a faith person. You can be inspired, but inspiration is not what brings faith. Right? Are you still here? So we'll start with fundamental understanding of faith. But saints, faith is big in the eyes of God. The gospel is big in the eyes of God. There is nobody who hears the gospel that faith is not inspired. Faith is not built. I'll tell you something. I'll give you a typical example. If you keep teaching your people about generational curses and demons and what all these people are doing, They'll suffer from that. Because that's what you're teaching. 
If you keep teaching them who they are in Christ, they will rise up to the reality of their presence in Christ. You know, I've heard people make very funny statements. African demons are strong. That's a big problem. That's a big problem. And if you unconsciously believe that, you're going to run into big problems. And you know why? Because we feel like, and you know, most of the things we, most of, we've created a climate or a stronghold around these things. Do you realize how Jesus casted out demons? Jesus casted out demons and only once did Jesus ask. Only once. Only once did Jesus ask the legion, right? We ask every Sunday. Who are you? Do I know you before? Have we met before? Who are you? When did you enter? And you haven't read the scripture that Jesus says, Satan is the father. The word father there means source of lies. So, everything you just recorded that that demon told you, it's amazing how you keep matured people every Sunday watching lies. That's big. That's big. Because you too don't know the word. And the reason you don't know the word is because you want to show that you are a big man of that's the problem i mean if you have a demon come tomorrow i'll cast it out we won't have to ask you how he entered jesus said cast out demons not interview them words are important jesus says cast out the word cast out in the Greek is hatmalo. It means to kick out. Like kick out, push, like you're angry, like why are you here? Get out! Jesus did not say let them introduce themselves. Jesus did not say do self-identification. You're never to use a demon casting session to show people that you're powerful. You're taking a glory you shouldn't and you're causing destruction in the body of Christ. Demons must never be the center of our services. Does not build faith. Does not build faith. Does not build faith. The gospel does. And a word of caution. Jesus said, if a demon is cast out of someone and is empty, he will go back and return with seven more wicked spirits. Some people are better left with just the one demon we're coping with. We're, we're, it's, just, it's like, how many you have? You have one. Yeah, it's okay. We, we, can, we, can, we can manage your demons. But, but if we're going to cast out that demon, the next step is to fill that house. So deliverance is not the focal point. Filling is the big deal. 
The devil doesn't mind demons leaving because he knows that once demons leave, seven more wicked will show up. So he can play the game with us. One to ratio seven, we lose. So, every deliverance ministry must have a stronger teaching ministry. If that is not there, people will throw up every Sunday, roll on the floor, scatter the chairs, run around, spit around, will be exhausted and be wearied. Get the word in you. Colossians 3.16 Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let's pray. Father, thank you. I pray that in the name of the Jesus, you take these words. You build them in our hearts. Build them in our hearts. Build them in our hearts. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.